Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, that's fabulous. Today is Monday, November 14th. Snowy Monday here in Santa Fe. We've got a nice little accumulation, the perfect kind of snow that frosts everything. And it's sifting down a little bit now. Shouldn't be a lot of snow, but very pretty, very welcome. Nice to have the snow. So, um, I wonder what thoughts I have today. I had a, a good weekend, um, did a lot of catching up. I had a lot of catching up to do, obviously, from being gone. Um, if you were on video, sharp-eyed viewers might see above me between the unicorn picture and the black cat mask <laughs> it says a lot about me that that's like how i have to um orient to for things uh there's a new mask that's like a rhinestone mask that's rigid i bought that in new orleans and it's really super cool i probably the um, focus isn't great on it <coughs> but hopefully i'll wear it at some point it's really neat I also um, got some frames over the weekend and hung up some of my new pictures. Uh, I got some pictures while I was in New Orleans um, from an artist on Jackson Square. And I also got um, some postcards when we were at the Georgia O'Keeffe Home and Studio Tour. So one thing I've been trying to do, I don't remember if I've mentioned it on here or not, um, Long-time listeners will know that I'm a big fan of having imagery around me that reinforces the work, that feeds into my um, thinking, uh, that's inspirational. And, aha, uh -huh, I just spotted a book I was looking for. Hold on. All right, let's see here. <laughs> I realized I made a mistake, but, oh, well, it's a done thing. So anyway, I am a believer in influencing the subconscious artistically and creatively. And so I, some of you who've been listening for a long time know that even though I had some of my book covers framed, uh, which I did because other people told me to, and that's always kind of like a bad sign if you do something just because other people tell you to, uh, I took them down because I don't want to look at my old book covers. Um, yeah, it, it just isn't a thing. So I try to have stuff around me that um, feeds into uh, what I'm thinking, um, what story I'm spinning. So it's sort of like, um, you know, I think of In the Forgotten Beasts of Eld uh, by Patricia McKillop she talks about um oh what's the witch's name now i have to look got out my very battered copy of the forgotten beasts of eld here the covers come off sad um so it's the witch mayalga i love the line when cybelle walks into her hut and i wonder if i can find it i'll read you all this passage 
She saw a small house within the trees, its chimney smoking. A gray cat curled asleep on the roof and a black raven perched on a pair of antlers hanging above the door. Doves peeking in the, oops, doves pecking in the yard fluttered around her as she walked to the door. The raven looked down at her sideways out of one eye and gave a cry like a question, who? She ignored it, opened the door. Then she stood motionless in the doorway, for across the threshold there was no floor but mist that moved uneasily, immeasurable at her feet. She looked around puzzled and saw the walls of the house looking back at her with eyes and round dark mouths. The door slipped out of her hand, closed behind her, and the mists moved upward, coiling around the watching eyes, covering them until it hid even the roof and the raven flew toward her from somewhere beyond the mists and gave its question again, who? Then she said, standing in the strange watching house, whose heart am I in? Ah, I love that. Whose heart am I in? Anyway, that was a tangent. I guess it's going to be tangent Monday. Uh, I love the sense of the atmosphere in it and what's around her. <clears throat> So anyway, it's all a very long way of saying that I have been on a recent mission since I decided to take down my book covers because it was also like looking at the past. It was not what I was working on now. It was something I'd already done and in some ways had no life for me anymore for that reason. It has lives for the readers. It has lives for you out there. Uh, but for me, it's, it's done. It's finished. That's my child who's gone off into the world and not the baby who needs nurturing. So I've started collecting miniatures because I'm running out of room wall space if you should could see behind me uh, of landscapes when I go to visit places and sometimes I forget but I did remember uh, in New Orleans and up at Abiquiu and I've got some others from around but anyway I uh, dug through some frames I had on hand and I went and bought a few frames and I hung new pictures and my new mask so it's nice to have the different landscapes around me to, to use that to feed into places. Uh, I think it's very easy to set stories, especially, especially if you're writing in a secondary fantasy world, uh, to set things in a, I don't know, you know, like you all know that I really hate the, the knee jerk, um, fantasy landscape, you know, like the bucolic English countryside. And I was telling Kelly Robson while she was here, as we were having lunch in that blaze of color at Abiquiu, that it really annoys me with like science fiction worlds too, when people act like a planet is just one thing, you know, like the ice planet of Hoth or the forest planet or the desert planet. We have such a variety of landscapes on our own planet, you know, that, that I could never see them all in, in my lifetime. So I was complaining. I said, I know why people do it in science fiction because you, it would be so difficult to represent the entirety of the world. But when people talk about like going to the tropical resort planet, it's like the entire planet is a tropical resort. And Kelly said, no, that's just laziness. And so I was really glad to hear her say that. She said, that's just laziness as a writer because there's no reason why you can't build up the full ecology of the planet 
and then say they're going to the tropical resort on the Lone Island or something like that. Um, it made me feel better. Uh, but she and I fundamentally agree on a lot of stuff anyway. So uh, it's rare for me to get after something that quickly, but felt good to do it. I also got all the royalties crunched and funds dispersed. I got bills paid. Um, I got my office picked up. I got a lot done and it was really, it was good. It felt great. And today I'm going to finish revising this novella. I'm feeling it. And I've also got some really good ideas for the bandits book. I've been riffing with a couple of different friends, um, author friends. Everybody's excited about the concept. Sorry. But I can't be more specific because uh, there was one big piece that I was trying to figure out how to translate, how to take something that is a big feature of our modern world and put it into a secondary fantasy world. And I think, I think I've got it. We'll see how it works out. I'm hoping I'm not overly complicating it, it because it's got like one more phase to it. I don't know. We'll see. So, um, I, I'm thinking about this mistake I made. Uh, so I was corresponding with a very famous author and it was exciting to me. And soon you will all know. Um, in fact, I will tell you that I have selected the Grandmaster and been in correspondence with this year's Grandmaster. And that person is utterly delightful. And I've been having little fangirl flutters at getting emails from this person. Uh, and I made a reference to one of their characters. And I realized I referenced Patricia McKillop's character instead. Will they say anything? Am I a horrible person? I feel bad. <sighs> Alas. Uh, that's why I get for trying to show off my cred. It was... Oh, well. Announcement for that should be um, a week from today is what we're shooting for. So it's very exciting. I'm excited for you all to hear who this year's Grandmaster is. Um, yeah. So. Other things that are going on um, is the ongoing uh, destruction of Twitter by Elon Musk, who's bought it. Uh, it's starting to break. There was a fascinating article on uh, ways that you could see that's already breaking because he's laid off so many of the engineers who write the code. Uh, and it's been interesting to me, and I'm afraid there's going to be a little bit more ranting about newsletters here. Sorry, it's not my fault. This came up and it was, I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, but then this came up. So all of these people on Twitter are talking about leaving Twitter. Um, they might have to because the <laughs> if it breaks, but then also, um, you know, one of the reasons Elon Musk bought Twitter was because he wanted free speech, uh, which means that people could say whatever vile, nasty, horrible things they wanted to on Twitter. Uh, and a lot of people are leaving. And I understand. I mean, I've, I've loved Twitter. I probably Twitter was my favorite social media platform until the 2016 
election in the U.S. Uh, and I still, I'm still there and I still put stuff on there. Um, and I feel for the people who have built up really large Twitter followings that are, you know, if Twitter goes down or if they decide to leave, uh, they're going to lose that following. And it sucks. And I don't have a huge Twitter following. I mean, let's see. I'm looking. Here we go. I have a little shy of 6,000 followers, you know, and I know people, you know, who have like 50,000 followers, 75,000 followers, and <clears throat> so it's, you know, I felt like my, my organic reach on Twitter has gotten worse in recent times anyway, besides the fact that I stepped back so significantly after the 2016 election because there was so much hateful, awful stuff on there. Um, but what I'm seeing is these people with large followings posting tweets saying um, that they're going to have to leave and to please follow their newsletter, their fucking newsletters. And, and I mean this with all, all love to these people who are concerned about losing their followings. I totally get that. People are going to newsletters because it's the only social media platform you can control. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> I just don't think that, and I realize, I realize that this is the common wisdom. I realize this is the advice out there. Get people to follow your newsletter instead, uh, and then you retain control of it. You retain control of your audience. You don't have to worry about some idiot billionaire buying <laughs> Twitter and destroying it out of his own hubris. Um, <laughs> I, I did see a funny joke that was, um, how do you become a millionaire? Uh, you spend $44 billion on Twitter <laughs> because he went from billionaire to millionaire and he's like 15 billion. He had to take on 15 billion in debt to buy it. Wow. What a, it's amazing. Anyway, uh, I have my point and I did have one. <laughs> yeah, your newsletter, sure, you can control it. Um, people are not going to follow our newsletters as a replacement for Twitter. It's not the same kind of thing. It's not Getting a newsletter in your email inbox is not the same as engaging in a Twitter conversation. I understand the impulse. I understand the frustration with social media, but you know, this too shall pass. Um, I've been seeing things like literary magazines, um, science fiction, fantasy magazines saying, you know, how most of their following is on Twitter and, you know, that they're not going to be able to survive financially without it. And I want to ask, well, what did you do before? You know, and maybe some of them have been created since Twitter. Uh, and I, 
sympathize with people being so worried about you know what will happen if they lose twitter but also you know this kind of goes back to my cane shaking and you know my gen x here with my martini glass in my hand um you know it goes around comes around and things change and the the hot platform moves over time and I know that there's always a concern about reaching readers, about reaching people, but you know, like, I guess the argument it is, is before the internet, we had bookstores, but you know, that didn't always work great. Uh, I think you just have to take a deep breath <laughs> and trust in, you know, if readers want to read what you have, they will find you. You know, I think that comes down to it. <laughs> I'm really chagrined that I referred to a different author's character. I, I should have double checked that. I tried to check it and I couldn't find the book. And this is how I figured it out was I looked up and spotted the book I was looking for. And I was thinking, well, that was Michelle. It's with the wrong author. <laughs> it's like, no, actually it's with the correct author. So the question is, do I preemptively fess up and apologize or do I wait to see if this lovely author says anything like that's not my character what what are you talking about uh, oh well I hate it when I do stuff like that some people are nice about it others aren't it's very funny because a long time ago one of my very first conventions um, an RT convention in like 2008 something like that when I was an unpubbed fiction author, unpubbed in fiction, I was pubbed in nonfiction. Um, and I saw this gal like replenishing her swag table. And I said, um, Oh, you know, I'm so excited to meet you. I love your books. And she was like, Oh, thank you. And I said something about one of her characters and she said, Oh no, that's not me. That's this other author, but it happens all the time because we look so much alike and they both wrote, like vampire urban fantasy. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, I do know your books. And, and I love this. And we had a great conversation. She was lovely about it. And then later at the signing, I saw the other author I'd mistaken her for. And I said something to her about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I made this mistake and everything. And she just like gave me the look of death. Well, it's like, Oh, okay. So a study in two, but I learned a lot from that encounter uh, about being lovely about things. So, uh, do I preemptively apologize? Maybe. I don't know. Does it seem like scramble, scramble? <laughs> it is scramble, scramble. Ah, well, into every life some mistakes creep in. All right, I'm going to finish this novella. Uh, wish me luck. Exciting stuff. I'm going to be releasing, re-releasing five golden rings every day, every day now any day now. Uh, I have new covers for the Facets of Passion books. These are uh, contemporary erotic BDSM books. Five Golden Rings is a um, an erotic riff on the 12 Days of Christmas. It takes place in the Mexican Caribbean. So I'm going to get that out soon. Uh, covers are fabulous. Yeah, I have to write a new BCC for it. Eep. But that's on my list for today. All right. 
I'm going to go get to work. You all take care. Um, hope you have a wonderful Monday. Bye-bye.